Welcome back, yo, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have our friend, friend of the show, going way back to episode number two of Get a Grip on Lighting, and that is Spencer Miles, the president of Pacific Lamp and Supply out in Seattle, or the CEO or something. He's special there anyway, whatever it is. Before we go, (laughs) we got to talk about... The original, Greg. Energy Focus. Go to E-N-E-R-G-Y-F-O-C-U-S dot com, yo. <laughs> Speaking of original here, we do hear a lot about UV stuff, but I, I want to talk about <laughs> UV. Amazing, actually. Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I want to talk about UV actually in action, all right? They have their, their move product. It's lowercase m, capital U, capital V, lowercase e, move. That's how it's spelled. And the MOVE Robo Disinfector is going to disinfect surfaces throughout the Javits Center Exhibit Hall at Light Fair next week. This is coming out this week, and Light Fair is next week, so they're doing it. Moving and disinfecting at a speed of 18 inches per second, or 90 feet per minute. Pre-programmed advanced mapping technology to record the floor plan of the conference and use a powerful beam of UVC 254 nanometer light to disinfect surface pathogens. 99.9% plus percent efficacy rate within a one meter radius. So that's going to be going on live at Light Fair when we're there, man. That's so that's, original, that's man. In action. So original. Yes. You got to hand it to Energy Focus. E-N-E-R-G-Y-F-O-C-U-S dot com, yo. That's right. And of course, the whizzle, dizzle, N-A-I-L-D dot org, shizzle, brother. That's right, nail dot org. Come on down to the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, where lighting means business. That's right. Get educated. Get associated. What's up, yo? Spencer Miles. What's happening, brother? Not much. Just glad to be back. Yeah. Well, we're good to have you back, man. Greg, what are we talking about here today with Spence? We could go in any direction at this point, yo. Just the usual, I think. So you are the nailed you're currently the nailed past president. Correct. Yep. Seventh year, eighth year. Something in about like a week. Immediate past president, yeah. Yeah. I get the little uh banner, you know, when we go to conventions. When we have conventions again, if we have conventions again, yes. You're gonna get your name tag, it's gonna look special. You're gonna be a, a big shot. Yeah. Get to go to the past president's meeting. There you go. It's always fun. No, it's it's been uh, it's been a good seven years though. I mean, I came on what was it, 2014? So I think you were you were president, right, Greg? At that point? Uh yeah, it sounds right. It was I about so. that, right? Yeah. So yeah. it was. Uh, you know, got to see the evolution, the up upside, downside, everything about uh, running an organization, and and watch the lighting industry change, which has been. Uh, pretty fun to watch. Be part of oh, it. Well, Greg, show, Greg showed you how to run an association into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> we brought it back up. There you go. It's not what happened, but you got it. That was a shot. Tell us, tell us some key takeaways from from your time on the board through now. Um, you know, one of my very first uh, recollections was I, I think you might have been there. We went to Jersey to uh, the the past uh, people who ran the organizations. Uh, corporate office we did uh, what was called some SWOT analysis and then you know I'd heard of SWOT analysis done it in school done it with some things but to actually spend three days doing it I, I think I realized the how ineffective it is and how 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 much money corporations waste in doing things that just aren't 
getting things done. So uh, hang on, hang on. So like my... you're talking about the SWOT analysis being wasted. Yes, yes. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, agree I, on that. Yeah, totally. It's the biggest waste of time in any corporate uh, organization in the in the world. So I I just sat there for three days going, what are we doing here, people? You know, I think if four of us could get together and do this thing better and, and more efficient and make more money. So, uh, and I think we've done that, right? Seven years later. Um, one of the other key takeaways was just meeting people, know, you know, getting to know a lot of people within the lighting industry uh, has been probably one of the best takeaways, honestly. The nailed, beat that. being on the nailed board used to be a grind out, man. It was almost a decade. It was. You know, I mean. I think I was the last. I think I, I was the last one that served the, the seven years. Because um, Matt, maybe? Matt came, ma no, no, I think man. he came on when we changed it. Yeah, we, we reduced the people and then went down to a five-year term, I believe. So if you're thinking so of coming on the board, it's a, it's a four-year term now, not a seven-year Yeah. As a, yeah. as a distributor member, yeah. Yeah, you guys went through hell and back, man. You and yeah, saw a lot of different vendors come, go. Met a lot of great people at the vendors. So, um, and, and I think the relationships that we built with the other people who are on the board has has their lifelong relationships. So that's something you can't ever replace. So that's been good. Hmm. Have you ever been on any other boards? Um, no, I've thought about my HOA, but I'd probably you know do some mean things to my neighbors. So I've decided that nailed is probably about it. All stuff you learn from nailed, how to be that way, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, and it does teach you things like with your HOA. There's, you know, your neighbors don't know what's an how to HOA board. What's an HOA? Uh, housing Association for your oh, neighborhood. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, don't put your don't put your garbage cans in front of your house. That type of stuff. Oh, um, oh man, <laughs> so, you'd be you'd be persona non grata in about two weeks, but <laughs> I, I changed the whole thing. But it's it's helped to get you know uh, how to put things up, how to put motions up, how to put. Uh, you know where, where to spend money in the in the neighborhood. So that 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 I learned from nailed right. So that it's helped me in my personal life as well. So that's been good. You know what, what are you I've gonna learned, do with all Greg? your free time? You know, hang on a yeah. second here. You know what I've yeah. learned from from nailed and from managing nailed, and from mm -hmm. working the limits of volunteerism. Volunteerism yeah. is so limited, dude. Like you know, oh, we have a volunteer working board. It's great. Nothing ever gets done. The you know, and you, I, you, I I would say. Up front, a lot of people volunteer. Oh, I want to do that. I want to help. I want to be part of that. And then when it comes down to it, then you see the limits. Time becomes the issue, right? You can't sure. get things done. Because we're all, especially in Nailed, we're all running our own businesses. So that's that's hard to, to shave out hours during your work week to do that. Right. Yeah, and I think that was our, our big issue with everything was it was all volunteer and what we wanted to do is just advise and have somebody do the work and then see the results and keep moving. And it yeah. wasn't there, but now it's there. So that's all in the past. So you, you have a ton of free time now. You're back to selling oh, yeah. light bulbs all day, every day. What's the market looking like? How is it in your area? Uh, it's different. It's a lot different. Yeah. You know, you're, you, we were heavy MRO. That's what we did day in, day out, you know, drop off five, six cases of lamps every, every Friday, you know, your customers. So that, that business, especially in our, in our neck of the woods where a lot of people aren't going back to buildings, uh, it's dried up a little bit. So we you, luckily you guys say, prior to that, was that? Sorry, you, you guys we have were, your own fleet of trucks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have three trucks. Yeah. So, uh, or two now, sorry, two after the COVID we, we downsized a bit. But 
you know, we were able to move into new, more new construction. I've always kind of despised that world. It's, it's not the, it's not crazy money making, right? It's not fast turns. It's very competitive. It's a grind on your people. So I never really liked it, but we have, we know we've started that now. We've gone heavy into controls. We're doing uh, design work for contractors. We're doing commissioning. We're, you know, we're doing everything we can, adding any value in any place of the of the supply chain that we can. And uh, and then we've expanded outside of our normal territory. We, we made the decision early on that we had to, we couldn't stay in this market as this market was shutting down and, you know, we had to expand the markets that were growing and staying open. So luckily we did that. And now did you do that, that or go to the physically? Internet. Sorry. Did yes. you do that yeah, physically we, or? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Physically we got people, salespeople now all over the country. So that's been, uh, it's been good. You know, we get to work in territories through COVID. It was very good because we were able to do work in other parts of the country that, we normally wouldn't be able to do work in, you know, or we couldn't do in Seattle because we were shut down. Right. So that, that really helped, helped get us through. And I think we've come out a better company. And these people you have working now, it's all remote. You, you still have just the one office in Seattle, correct? Yeah. Just still, still this office. Um, most of the sales guys are now remote. Um, and then, you know, partnered up with some other people in other territories that needed lighting help that may necessarily don't know lighting, don't know controls, things like that. So, or, or have the, uh, availability to certain lines, you know, we have availability to most lines. So that, that's been huge. So you're going in promoting controls, like a lot of your jobs that people are coming to you guys to price, right. Versus you going yeah. to the end user. I mean, we do, we've got six people going to end users locally. Um, but okay. what, what we've done different, I would say is, your large contractors, they have hundreds of employees, right? They're designing controls or they have architects or what, whatever it may be on the new construction side. What we've realized is there's that, that middle to low market where a contractor does not have the employees to design controls. So if we can help them and do it, they'll buy the product from you. It's been great. And what kind of, give us some examples of control projects. Are you making it real easy? Doing occupancy sensors on walls and ceilings? Or are you doing full program? Depends. Fixtures? Our, our market, you know, our market. We have. You can go on the rebate side. We have light Lumiere light level control, so you gotta have a sensor in every fixture. You know, control at the hub. Um, if you're doing a rebate now, if you're doing new construction or TI, you know, we gotta we gotta meet ASHRAE 19, I believe it is here. So, and Seattle has its own code. So we're daylighting. We're we're zoning. We're doing. Yeah, the lights aren't on unless somebody's physically in the space. So we're doing all that. We're commissioning, you know, for the contractor. It's a revenue stream. It's not, a, it's not a huge revenue stream, but it's, it's a way to add value to the contractor. Um, they don't, you know, they just want to wire things up. They don't want to sit there on the tablet or the phone pairing up everything. It's, they, they see that as a waste of their, um, of their time. So if we can just charge them a flat fee, go and get it done, you, you make some money. I'm pretty good. Isn't, isn't that the manufacturer rep's job in a lot, at least in Minneapolis, that's the case, is if you're going to sell a <laughs> certain brand system, manufacturer it is a commissioning person. It is. So you got you got to partner with the right vendors uh, and the right rep agencies that uh, I would say give up that control a little bit. And, and you have to prove you know what you're doing. You can't just walk in there and bumble it and then have to call them on the backside and be like, man, I messed that up. I need you to come fix it, right? 
Um, you need to make sure your people are trained well, get in there, get it done. And it, it really started with me. I did it first and then started you know, training a second person inside our company. So I would say she now knows probably more about controls than I do. It's been, I been love good. That. I love yeah. it when employees better than me at something. It's so cool. <laughs> I hope it's they're just, all better than me. Yeah, dude. It's like, you know, when you start with somebody and you're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And then you do it. And then, you know, you say, okay, you, you, you push out a little bit and you say, okay, you, you know, you're going to do it on your own. And then you pull them back in, you coach them a little bit. And the next thing you know, the, 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 the student has surpassed the master. And there's nothing right. to me more thrilling or more that gives me more joy than that. I'm being honest with you when I say that. Mm. You know, when you see somebody that's really, you know, I'm talking like not something that's a month. Like it takes a, a year, two years, three years, and next thing you know, they're better than you at it, and you may not even know what's up. That's so much fun as an entrepreneur. It's so underrated, that part of it. You know, the coaching of others and the helping them and, and moving them forward and teaching them skills and making them confident. I really love that part of it, and I've seen it happen about half a dozen times for me. And I, it's the things I look back on the most with joy, actually, it's like, oh, yeah, that was mm -hmm. fun. So, yeah, it's good to hear that you're doing that. Um, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. You came on the board, you were an employee. Yes. Yeah. You came off the board, you own the company. <laughs> <laughs> How did that work? Wait seven years. <laughs> you know, you just get, but you know, now that you're an owner, then you smack, you start, you take over the company. I think it was 2019. You took it over, right? Correct. With, yep. with John. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then you smash into COVID. You know, how, you know, did you, it was, you, uh, you saying, it was how's my months. luck? What is my luck here? I ran, I worked here for 20 years. Now I bought it. And now I'm screwed. Um, you know, how, how have you dealt with the emotions of that? How have you dealt with the management of that, the pressure, the, you know, all those things? Tell us a little bit about that. A lot of stress, a lot of sleepless nights. Um, and I would say a lot of stubbornness, actually. We, it was three months prior to COVID. We took it over. We're looking at the financials. We're like, all right, here's the next 10 years. We're going to, you know, we're going to create nice lives for ourselves. And then that hit. And then all of a sudden you see your sales declining, declining, declining. You see your people gone. You, know, you see your city pretty much gone. It was uh, some scary times, right? You had to jump in and make sure you were doing everything correct to make sure that the company survived. You know, whether it was government handouts, whether it was what you what are you doing with your employees? That was probably one of the biggest hurdles is, you know, do you lay people off? Do you furlough? Do you do, you know, what do you do to protect the people that are out there fighting for you every day? And that was, it was hard. It was very, very stressful. I, I think, you know, now we look back 18 months later and we did pretty damn well. We hired during, during the middle of it, we hired six, six employees which was not what everybody else was doing. So we kind of tried to do everything differently. We saw our competition laying people off. Well, we just went right in there, right? We just kept pounding it. None of our competition was calling on customers. We were calling on customers. <laughs> you know, we, mm. we were doing it safely by whatever guidelines that, you know, city, state and county and feds were putting out there. We were trying to follow all those correctly, but we weren't giving up. We weren't just going to our basements or our homes and, telling everybody sit inside and just just send emails all day. I think we did it for about two weeks and I got really frustrated and said, no more, no more webinars, no more emails. We're done with all that. Get back out there. Um, and, and it, I'd say coming out of it, it worked pretty dang well. 
Yeah, you got to nice. stay dangerous, buddy. You can't. You, this whole safe nonsense. Get out of here. Safety's no fun. You don't make any money. You don't get anywhere ahead. You don't get anything if you stay safe. You stay like a loser. That's what it is. Stay safe. Sure, and, and I think I think stay I loser. The, That's what it is. And I had the prior. Gotta get out there. You know, get dangerous, life. man. I'm talking here, Spencer. You got him on a speech. You gotta stay dangerous, man. You gotta get out. You gotta strike out in the world, man. I love it. You know, and and just to to add on to that, Greg and I, you know. Um, formed get a grip management in 2019 as well. And, and we uh, said, hey, what's it going to be to take over now, Greg? We hire someone in Minnesota. They're just going to run it. It's going to be so easy. No problem. Do a little convention and boom, COVID hits. And oh man, we're broke. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Figuring but it out. I, I would Eventually. say it, it challenged all of us, right? We all. It was a new challenge. I think if you look back to the winter of 2019, you know, right, right around Christmas 2019, we, John and I probably thought this is going to be easy. Yeah, all we got to do is we were given the Porsche. Just don't crash it. Just keep it going. Keep mm. it, keep it. And then all of a sudden there was a, a wall in front of us. So we had to figure out how to get around it. But I, I think I was lucky in the stance that uh, when the 08, 09 crash happened, I had just been promoted to operations manager here. So I got to watch the prior family navigate through those hard times. I remember mm. we had some pretty rough times during that as well. And to watch the decisions. And then I remember his stance was we hire, we, we make sure we are, we come out of this better than everybody else. And, and it worked. So I kind of followed that roadmap as best we could. It's still, still hit or miss today with <laughs> a lot of places closed in Seattle, but, uh, I think long term we will be much better off. You know, these, these one of our employees was able to train at a much slower rate. We found out, hey, instead of throwing them into the fire like we normally do, maybe the slower train was, is a better way to go, um, rather than. That's get so funny. Fire. I had to go. do the same thing. I had to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Exactly the same. Normally, I like okay, you got to sell some light bulbs and you got to get an order today. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is how we used to do it. And we used to test and see, okay, they didn't get an order or whatever. You know, we used to like really put them in the fire. And then now it was like a, kind of a slow burn. Yeah, interesting mm -hmm. that you did the same thing. Huh. Funny. Yeah, and we, so so you, you, you started to see things that were, you maybe have been doing wrong, or not mm -hmm. wrong, just different different ways you had to do it. Mm -hmm. And you went, oh, okay, that, that kind of worked actually. Okay, we can mm -hmm. do that. So not all bad. What kind of training were you doing? I mean, we always do LS1. Normally it was, you know, buy from nailed. Um, <laughs> get it done in two weeks and get on the counter and start selling, right? Mm -hmm. And and to watch somebody actually take it over a two-month period while getting a customer every two hours rather than every two minutes really, really changed how they learned that process. So um, – now moving forward, as we get busier, I don't know how we implement that. That's for John and I to figure out how we, you know, slow that down and not get back to our old ways of just throwing them into the fire. But um, it afforded us some some things that you just didn't think you you would ever see. Right? You never thought your counter was going to be that slow. Mm. Never. So, um, I think we learned some very good lessons and. The family who taught me, you know, the the business always said you're 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 getting an MBA in the streets, right? You're not you're not going to a 
college to learn MBA where they'll teach you the wrong way to run a business. You're going to learn the right way. And every two weeks, your payroll comes up. You make sure you have cash flow to make your payroll. That's How much cash part. do you have in the bank? Like number one question <laughs> to ask. Number one question to ask. Like, you know, yeah. it, 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 people don't ask that enough. Like, how much cash do you have? Yeah. I don't have any cash. Well, uh, you got a problem, buddy. You better find some cash. You know, um, there's so many things that you learn as a business owner. But what, you know, what's interesting about the you know the the slowdown? I find the two to two and a half month LS one thing is the right pace. I think mm. that, and if they can do it together with somebody else at the same time, Corey Schneider kind of threw this over to Greg and I a while ago where, you know, mm. you do it over a period of two months as a class, two, three, four, five people in a class, and it's really a powerful way to go through the LS1 program. And then they go back to the warehouse. They go, do we have any induction? I'm like, yeah, we got some induction. So I go get them an induction fixture. This is induction. I kept it specifically to show them. And then here's some, you know, mercury vapor lamps and whatever, right? It's such a good course for, for the distributor. But, you know, Greg, one of the things that we've learned in, in managing Nailed is the hiring process, really understanding what it is you're looking for and how to get candidates to tell you that. Um, Correct. That's been such a powerful thing for us that I've used in my own business um, to find people. And it's a way where you get rid of most people through tests that they don't know they're taking. Um, if that makes sense. Like they don't realize that this is a test. Okay, so for example, you have to arrange a call between my business partner and I in Toronto on, and on the video chat of your choice. Okay. Now, one of the things in managing nail, that's a huge problem. It's not a problem in Seattle for your people probably, mm -hmm. but... A huge problem is time zones, okay? Yeah, yeah. Like if somebody can't handle time zones, they can't work for Nailed. Like it just causes so many. No, man, Spencer's Pacific. Uh, Matt's Mountain. Greg's Central. Mike's Eastern. Like you got you to gotta be able to manage that. Yeah. And if you screw that up, it creates all manner of chaos. Like it's really chaos and you, making. And you, you know? affect four people's day. Yeah, it yeah. screws everything up, right? No, specific. You can't. You can't call Spencer at four in the morning, you know, or whatever. Right? You know what I mean? It's like he's in Pacific time. So what we do is we tell them you have to arrange a call for one o'clock. And if they don't tell us, does that mean two o'clock Eastern for Michael? Then we know that's a check against them, that they're not aware of time zones. Mm. You know, some people are just aware of that. Other people aren't. It's not a measure of their intelligence, really. It's just a measure of their capacity to understand that there's different time zones and so that was yeah. one of the things we we would put in there and if they didn't ask or didn't make sure that it was two o'clock eastern one o'clock central or one o'clock eastern 12 o'clock central if they didn't solve that problem in w during the in the por portion of that test then they were not eligible to work for nails um <clears throat> you know if they didn't do it on their own or it was a major strike against them so little things like that we would embed. How many steps was it, Greg? Seven or eight steps we took? It's about through? eight, yeah. And then there's deadlines you can put on people. And, and, you know, you go through the steps in the first five, filter everyone out. And then you're left with, you know, three to five people to look at, to really look at. You know, and that's what was nice. And I've done it, too, for other things I'm doing. And, and it does work great. You know, it's a, it's a system that we put in place and learned as we go. But it's just... Kind of step by step, like make them meet a deadline, make them do this. You know, when when we were originally doing it was kind of pre-COVID, so the Zoom call was tough for some people. 
Like if you can't figure out how to do a web call, now everybody can. That yes. step maybe yeah. doesn't yeah. isn't as uh, crucial, but uh, at that time, not not a lot of people did, and and for them to have to figure it out was interesting to see. A lot of people just couldn't figure it out, and it's like, oh, you're off. And oh, then yeah. we ended up with three amazing candidates for the nailed administrator. We ended up with two amazing candidates for the nailed um, uh, social media marketing position. I made my, ever since we've come up with this, I've made my, you know, two great hires here of people that are exactly what I wanted. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so the hiring process is really, really important. You want to hire slow and fire fast. You know, um, it's very important that you get the right people that you want on your team. And then if somebody doesn't belong, see you later <laughs> as soon as possible because those people just cause you trouble. I think Rick Eric said that, didn't he, Greg? <laughs> That's, <my laughs> That's dad. Greg's dad for it's the listeners me. out there. <laughs> I don't talk to him about a ton of stuff, but the two times I have, he's, he's helped Michael and I <laughs> figure some things out. Five-minute awesome. conversation, he knows the answer, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, so you've you've done a lot of that. So I want to talk again about the MRL business just in general. Like, so you have in the whole owning your own truck too. I know a lot of nail distributors do. I've always subcontracted or used uh, a delivery service. Is there enough need still for your own fleet to go out and deliver every day, or is it? I know it varies. But... Yeah, for us there is. Yeah, I mean we we okay. downsize like I said earlier from three to two. Um, with projects that our sales team's selling or that we're selling to contractors or ESCOs, uh, you know, you, you need a full big truck. And, and in our daily flow, yeah, we're still there. I, I've looked at that actually using, um, you know, third-party fleets. And maybe mm -hmm. it's our market. I know I've talked to other nail distributors about this, and they seem to be getting really good rates. Uh, I have not seen those rates in our market. Uh, we okay. do have a lot of traffic in this town, so maybe that's why. But, um, yeah, it's, you know... It's getting harder. I will say that with gas prices, you know, skyrocketing with the cost of your truck uh, and then cost of employees, uh, especially in our state, is uh, it's getting to the point where we're, we need to look again at that. Yeah, depends on who your customers are. You know, if True. you're delivering to a lot of job sites and mm -hmm. you want that, you want to be able to give your customer a little bit of white glove. You know, mm -hmm. uh, like you know, the contractors are. Yeah, Jim's going to bring them down to you. He'll be there about noon. And then he, you know, and he's like, well, those go over there and they help carry them because they're part of Pacific Lamp. They're part of the team, right? Whereas a courier's like, no, bud, I got, this is eight bucks. <laughs> this is, I'm getting, I'm getting $4 for this. Here you go, buddy. You get these off yeah. my truck or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it depends on who your customer is. For us, like we're, sh you know, the days of us sending, you know, six uh, skid of uh, F-17 T-80, 35Ks with 10 boxes of ballasts and whatever, to, you know, this facility are over. We don't get those orders anymore. Um, so, you know, the, you know, the, the courier system is just, you know, they're COVID aware. They know all the rules of all the different buildings. So we use couriers, but it just kind of depends on who your customer is that choice. I don't think it's purely a cost. It's a service thing. If you if Pacific Lamp is, is providing that service to its customers, then, you know, I, I, it's something, it depends on who your customers are. Like I said, if those new construction customers, they want a better service, they want someone who's wearing safety boots, they want someone that has WIMIS and the training and all this stuff coming on their sites. And, you know, it depends, it, it, it depends is the question. It's not a pure money problem because couriers cause a lot of problems for yeah. us. Well, and the it's other wrong. one too is when you're in a skyscraper, for instance, our driver knows where the engineering office is. It's an unmarked office in the belly of a, you know, 
30-story building. Mm -hmm. So he knows where to go to the dock, go down there, go to the unmarked door, and that's the guy who ordered it is behind that door. Uh, that's huge, right? That's The courier's never going to find that door. So those are those are things that just make you invaluable and add, add value to the whole sales cycle and, and keep that customer, right? Yep. So. Uh, one thing you've always been big into too and and I've never been involved in is, is buying groups. Um, what, mm -hmm. We don't have to name names here, but just you've been involved in buying groups. What are they like now? Is that totally different? Is it still a, a value to you? Where are we at with buying groups and lighting? I would say after going through COVID, it was uh, very beneficial. Uh, you had, okay. you know, if you got a thousand distributors that are for the most part all down in sales, let's say 25%, just average, your vendors were more likely to adjust programs. Not all. I could name all the ones that didn't. I'll never forget them. But the ones that did, it, you didn't have to reach out to them and, and, and explain 40 times. Here's the, here's the issue. We all know the issue is you got to adjust our numbers like this. You know, we, we can't meet these numbers this year. So that part was good. Um, and the, I would say the resources they were able to give on, you know, some of the federal stuff where you needed a file for PPP or ERTC, things like that. Um, they had the resources readily available so you didn't have to really search it out yourself or rely on your accountant or rely on your attorney whatever or bank you could go they had it and you were able to do it yourself so that that was helpful what i've always found with the rebates so there's different you know there's a canadian one there's um, a couple of u.s ones that have come to canada these rebate groups and i you know i'm just going to be honest with you and they can hear this and they can address it because mm -hmm. they might as well listen to it i resent them getting a cut you know, and you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, we're all part of the same team. And I'm like, you're not buying anything, buddy. I'm doing all the buying and all the paying. And so is he and this guy over here. Why do you get a cut of this rebate from the manufacturers? I never understood that. Um, you know, but I, I understand that, you know, by compiling it together, they have a way of doing it. Um, but I always felt like I, I, I'd rather negotiate directly with each vendor. The second thing I find is that there's a, a an element, and how do you get over this? There's an element of the rebate thing that gets you working for them, right? Where you're focused on how much you're buying from this vendor rather than on who has the best price and what your customer wants. You know what I'm saying? And so I've always been kind of torn between, like I'll get an email from a vendor and it says, you know, you're a little bit low this quarter. And I'm like, I'm not low on shit, brother. You're low. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who, who's calling who what? What are you talking about I'm low? I don't care what you say with your stupid Excel file. Get out of here. Delete, right? So, I, you know, I, I don't want to focus on their business. I want to focus on my business. Mine. But you've always been I would, dominant I, in that space. How, how do you reconcile those emotions and everything else? I, uh, my it? retort to that, if, if I was – or probably even their retort to it would be – they have, uh, you know, the one I'm with, you can probably tell behind me, is has 80 vendors. Okay, I buy from 25. I mainly buy from 5 to 10. But when you have that project with that 17th vendor that I didn't have time to set up a program with, you know, back in January, I know I can buy from that vendor and immediately get a rebate number, right? Uh, we don't know what it is, but there is a rebate there and it then goes into your you know cumulative total that you're already doing i'll give you a for instance we 
don't usually sell smoke detectors. Not not our not our thing. I had a rep come in. He we was selling us a, a nailed line actually, and said you guys should sell smoke detectors. Why the hell would I do that? Like, that's a very competitive. You got a Home Depot, you got Amazon. Why do I want to get in that, that market? He said, "Well, you're already in the space. Those customers are buying it from somewhere. You might as well be the one to sell it." Okay, great. So put it out to salespeople. We started selling the heck out of them, um, and that good. vendor happened to be part of my buying group. Now, had I called that vendor day one, they would have laughed at me and said, "Why does a lighting company want to sell smoke detectors? <laughs> and, sure. and how are you going to sell it? You know, I already have 17 distri- electrical distributors in that market." I was getting a rebate just from sending a PO and I was opened with that company. No questions, right? Because I was part of the buying. Mm, I get that. So I didn't have to go through the vetting process. So there's advantages. And what um, about the pricing though? Do you, do you, they offer you the same pricing? You know, that's one of the things that I like about the buying group when I, I'm, I'm part of one and I, I participate. Mm. Okay. So grudgingly, but I still participate. Mm. And I get the thing, and the prices is laid out for everybody. I'm always suspicious. You know what? These guys got another list that they're handing that other guy over there. And you know what I mean? This idea that we're all paying the same price. Like, I just don't believe it at all. Like, I'm so skeptical of this stuff. But anyway. Um, well, let's say your pricing is still negotiated between you and your vendor, right? Sure. Now, does your vendor take into account that rebate they're paying your buying group? Of course they are. They'd be, they'd be silly not to. So, is Let it... me ask you this. A personal question. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. How much, what percentage of your net profit is rebates? Is it 20%, 50%? What percentage is the net profit? Over 30. Over wow. 30. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So we, well, lot, we operate to that. We operate yeah, to yeah. that though, right? You, does your software, um, are you calculating that in real no. time? Because when I see their... When I see their, so that's just like a, a like a Christmas present at the end of the year. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Now you can't you can't put it in your software. I, I I think there are some programs you can mine. Mine you cannot. So, um, yeah, it's a Christmas present. So do you audit Check. them? Like, do you go back and go to your accounts department and say, look, break out all the invoices from a Acme light bulb supply, <laughs> add it all up because I don't believe what this you, guy's got. You know me too well, Excel don't file. you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't he does. necessarily audit every vendor. I will say there are vendors who report incorrectly. Yeah, so I've noticed that too. You know, you know who those vendors are, or, or this is know... a non-rebatable item. That's another. Yeah. One. <laughs> That's another. One. That. Or they have like uh, on their SPA or whatever it is, their SP, special price, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they have like like asterisks and stuff, and so they're working or the freight. In... Oh, that, that's freight it. prepaid. If you ever need a free prepaid, some vendors remove their cost of freight from your sales number. You should know that one. That's so. Imagine if you did a thousand one dollar PO. That's what I mean. Why it's like you're work, now freight. you're working for them rather than working for your customers. That's why I don't like yeah. the, the whole rebate thing. I just like every time I get into it, it absorbs so much time, and then you're in there, and it's like ah, I'd rather just go sell more light bulbs, like. Yeah, you know, I'd rather just go sell more light bulbs, and if you got the best price, let's rock and roll. And if not, everyone. But I, I, keep... I would, I would put it on on par with reps, right? So reps take a percentage of everything you and I do, and Greg, everything we do, reps get paid on. They give different prices to different people in our markets, right, for different projects. So I've had the conversation with reps before. Why wouldn't you just give one price to everybody in the market, make your margin, be happy, and then let us in a free market determine? what margin we're all comfortable with. And it's the same reason, right? It's just not how it works. There is no 
set answer, but it's the way it is. So you got to play, it is. right? You want you want to play? You got to get in the pool. Yeah. So what? What? You know, with all the changes that have happened, <laughs> you've, you've talked about. You know, we're in a new challenge. What excites you about lighting coming up in the future? Oof. I think with the supply chain issues we have right now, because it, it's bad, right? We I don't think we've ever mm-hmm. seen anything like this with inventory out there and price increases. And I think uh, the excitement comes, what what does lighting industry look like after this? I have no idea. Like You're looking at vendors that have 50% of what they had a year ago. You're looking at price increases that are, I think I saw one that said 30%. Are you kidding me? You're seeing freight increase from a thousand to twenty five hundred dollars, two and a half times it. All of a sudden, boom! Your freight costs uh, prepaid changes. So, where does the industry go after this? How do we absorb this amount of increase and in inflation into our industry? Uh, and and what does that do to the end user? What changes are the end users going to make now that your costs are thirty to fifty percent higher than it was two years ago? What does it do to projects? Like all those questions, controls, does it change regulation now? Because are we going to keep over-regulating and costing more while costing? Where does it go? I got to hit you back here because Mm. there's, okay. So I still saw a lot of legacy lamps. Okay. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. So, I mean, you got to break it out. So first of all, Mm. LED was getting really cheap. Okay. Like you're talking a $3 T-LED and stuff like that. Canadian $3.50 for a T-LED our cost, you know, whatever, you know, landed in from China or whatever it is, DLC approved mm. premium. Yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> what a joke. All the stickers. I just, I, I just got to laugh at that. such a joke. Like, uh, I tell my clients, like, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything. Um, but anyway, so, uh, you know, y- you have this, this LEDs got really low. So what if they go up 30%? Like, I'm not telling the vendors to charge us more. But, like, I've, I haven't adjusted the – I have, like, a, a, a software system that we use to create our projects. I haven't adjusted the prices in years. Everyone was freaking out here. I said, don't worry about it. Like, we've been making too much money for too long. That's part of the problem. Um, on, these, on, these, on these LED tubes and the fixtures and all, the prices have come down so low. It's almost worthless. Like, what's a wall pack cost? 55 bucks? That's too cheap. That's like, True. you know, throw it out when you're done. You know, I mean, there's no, like, the the cost of something has to imbue, has to be enough so someone can actually, if you're buying a wall pack for five fifty bucks from a vendor, and they say it's a 10-year warranty, you're an idiot, if you believe that. You're an idiot. Like, I hate to say, no, we got it, we got you. We paid $37 for it from China. We got you. That 13 bucks covers the warranty. I mean, look, vendors, a lot of vendors in lighting are just insurance companies for failure. That's all they are. Like all, you know, you know, I mean, and I'm not talking about some of the better nailed vendors that, you know, innovate and create products and do great things. Like Energy Focus, for example, is one of those. But a lot of the day-to-day stuff out there, the only reason you're buying from this company is because you don't have to worry about the warranty. You can blame it on somebody else and then go to them and make them pay. It's an insurance policy. You could buy from Chinese manufacturers directly, but you don't want to have yep. the warranty issues. 
You don't want to deal with the quality control. That's why you don't do it. So when, you know, when, when things are really low like that, it, it went too low. It's time to come back up a little bit. Is it 30%? Is it 10%? I don't know what the final number is. I don't know what dudes are doing in the docks of Long Beach and, and L.A. where these ports are. If they're on strike, they don't want to get vaccinated. Or whatever, they don't want to be around unvaccinated. Whatever the hell's going on down there, it's going to get sorted out. Hopefully, I believe that it's going to get sorted out. And then what's going to happen is... The industry is going to say, we went crazy with these low prices for a bit. It's time for a rebound to raise the prices a little bit. That's not a problem in the legacy area. People have no problem paying a buck fifty for an A19. You know, it used to be, remember we used to argue about 34 cents or 26 cents for an A19? People have no problem anymore. That's already happened. The same thing is going to happen to the LED market. And if you use percentages to mark up your products, Spencer, Miles, and Greg Eric, mm. you're only going to do better. That's all. I'm not worried. True. Right. If you do cost plus, yeah, our margins don't. Our margins increase actually a little bit, right? Our our gross profit does. So. That's why you got to focus on your customers, not your vendors. In times like these, you got to be engaged with who's giving you money, not who you who you're giving money, and they're going to give you a couple pennies back after. You got to be focused on who's giving you the money, and make sure you're serving them and find them close, stick close to them like glue. Be a theme at the next convention. Whew. Right there. <laughs> That's a good theme. You got to be a gangster, yo, in this game. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yo, go to energyfocus.com. That's E N E R G Y F O C U S.com. So original, Greg Eric. Tell us about that move fixture they got going. It's a disinfection robot. I don't know if you call it a fixture. It moves mm -hmm. around and cleans the area, man, and it's doing it at the Javits Center at Light Fair next week. And there's nothing I like better than actually hearing a real world application, not just a spec sheet and seeing it. I want to actually see it there. I know I can't see it when it's working, but I want to know that it's getting done and then see the results. It's going to be cool. So check it out. Jimmy Tunable pulling off a full-blown heist down at Life Fair with his move robots, disinfecting everything. Hey folks, you know what? This industry can participate in the recovery. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. We're going to participate. That means we get rich. So join NAILD. Go to NAILD.org and let's participate in this recovery. And that means a little bit of UVC, son. That's right. We're going to do it. We got training going. We got it all done. So go to NAILD.org and check out our sponsor for this podcast, Energy Focus, led by Jenny, Jimmy, James Two, Jimmy Tunable, E-N-E-R-G-Y-F-O-C-U-S. Dot com. Thanks for listening. Yo.